Okay, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. And let's uh, commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have now to come together around your word. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to study your word together. We pray, Father, that you would open our minds and our eyes of understanding tonight, Father God, that we would gain from your word what you have for us. May we indeed be blessed by the ministry of your word. May we be encouraged by its truth. Use me, Father God, tonight to speak your word in truth. Give me wisdom as I speak. And may our hearts be blessed wherever we are, Father God, tonight as we watch this. May you just speak to us through your word, whether we be young or old. Father God, you encourage us through your word. Bless our time together now in your word. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been uh, studying the seven benefits of justification as listed for us here in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And that's why I got Pastor Reed these 11 verses for us again. And we've seen in these seven benefits, we've seen peace with God. We've seen that we have access into the presence of God. We have hope. We have glory in tribulation. We have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And last week we saw that we have been saved from wrath to come. We come now to the last of these benefits as it's found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 11 which says, Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. This is the seventh benefit of justification. We have joy with God. Paul opens up this verse with the phrase, he says, and not only so. And not only. Not only are we saved, not only are we these six benefits of justification that we've just read about, not only are we reconciled to God, not only are we saved for eternity by the life of Jesus Christ, we also have this seventh benefit, which is joy. We have joy. And I want you to notice with me tonight, firstly, that we have been told here what we have. And what we have is joy. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God. We have joy. You know, to the apostle here, as he writes this chapter in Romans for us, joy is the inevitable conclusion. It's the purely logical response to all that's been said. To all that's gone before in Romans, to all that's gone before in Romans chapter 5, for all that God's done for us, this is the natural response, the purely uh, natural re- conclusion you can draw. It's inevitable that you would read these things and understand these things and you would then have a smile on your face. You would have joy. If we truly look at all that we have because of salvation, joy ought to be the result. It's going to cause you and I to shout from the housetops. It ought to cause you and I to talk about it day by day. It ought to cause you and I to sing about it in our waking moments as we walk around. You and I ought to speak about it, sing about it, announce it. It ought to be part of our lives, this matter of joy. You know, the songwriter said, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, we ought to daily 
be rejoicing, as we count our blessings day by day, as we consider all that God has done for us in salvation, it ought to produce as a natural response to that joy in our hearts and our lives. You know, a review of these benefits of justification shows how certain and how wonderful salvation is. You see, you and I are justified by faith, and not only you and I declared righteous and redeemed, you and I also have that for eternity. It's totally apart from the law, and purely and solely all of grace by faith. Isn't that what Romans 5.1 says? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fact. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've been saved, we've been justified by faith. We've been declared righteous. And when you and I consider that, when you and I uh, contemplate that you and I are not saved by keeping the law, you and I are not saved by works, but you and I are saved by grace through faith, it ought to cause a joyful response from each of us. The word joy is to boast. To boast. So great is our confidence that we're saved and that we're saved for eternity, that we have eternal security. We are so sure about that that what we do is we boast about our salvation. We don't just talk about salvation. We don't just mention it in passing. We boast about it. We are so thrilled that we're saved and that we're eternally secure that you and I just simply want to boast about it. We want everyone to know that we're saved. Not a boast in our achievements. Not a boast in what we've done, but a boast in who he is. A boast in what he has done. A boast in what we have received through him. You know, we have a salvation that takes care of the past, which is justification takes care of the present, which is sanctification, and takes care of the future, which is glorification. The salvation that you and I are involved in, that you and I partook of when we by faith believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is a salvation that takes care of our sins, takes care of our present condition, and guarantees us eternal glorification in heaven with God. And therefore, there's real joy. In fact, we have much to rejoice in. Even in the darkest moments in our lives, when you and I meditate upon our salvation, then we ought to realize that what we really have is joy. Christ died to provide for our redemption. He lives to ensure that we will have, that his will will be fulfilled for us and that you and I will indeed see his will come to pass which is Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You and I have been redeemed, and you and I have been guaranteed eternal security because of Jesus Christ. Not only that, on top of all that, he's coming again. Coming again so that you and I might be with him He's going to come to the clouds and we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord so that we'll enjoy throughout all of eternity his presence. That order alone ought to put a smile on our face, shouldn't it? That one day it's all going to be over. 
One day all this trouble will be o'er, and we will be in glory. What a day that will be. You know, uh, we won't have to worry about COVID pandemics again. We won't have to worry about sin again. We won't have to worry about the curse again. All we'll be able to do is smile for all of eternity because we're in the presence of Jesus. And that alone ought to put a smile on our face. Exciting times await you and I as believers. And let's therefore rejoice. You know, we have more than enough reasons for joy. If anybody ought to be able to smile through the deepest storms, the darkest moments, it ought to be believers. Because we have much to rejoice in. Think of Paul and Silas. Go back with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas filed themselves in prison in Acts chapter 16. And uh, in verse 23 you read, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Now if anybody had a reason to sorrow, if anybody had reasons to be a bit despondent and had reason to be discouraged, it ought to be Paul and Silas. Now here they are, they've been beaten. For doing nothing wrong, by the way. They've been beaten, and they've been cast in prison, and the jailer uh, who's charged with their safety makes sure they're thrown into the inner prison, and their feet are secure in the stocks. So if anybody has a reason to be sitting in the corner sulking, and discouraged, and despondent, and wondering what it's all about, these two men did. But what did they do? Look at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas were in prison. As I said, they had plenty to be sad about, but what did they do? They sang and praised God. Why? What's the reason for this rejoicing? What's the reason why these two men in the midst of prison can sing praises to God? Well, the reason is because they know what they have in Christ. And what they had in Christ brought great joy to them, despite their terrible condition, despite their circumstance, despite the fact that they didn't know whether they were going to live or die, maybe they were going to be put to death for their faith. Despite all that, what what did they do? They sang praise to God. Why? Because they knew what they had in Christ. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs and read about the martyrs throughout the history How many of them were singing when they were burned at the stake? How many of them were preaching when they were burned at the stake? How many of them were rejoicing as they were burned at the stake? The reason for that is not because they're some strange, weird people. It's because of what they have in Christ. And as we realize all that we have in Christ, and we have all that we realize all that salvation entails, it ought to produce in you and I as believers joy, praise. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 6. Wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 
that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. In the midst of trials, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter how difficult life might become, we always have a reason for joy. Now secondly, we're told not only are we told what we have, but we are told who we are to rejoice in. Who we're to rejoice in. Look in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God. Now remember that joy means to boast. In fact, the Greek word that's used here for joy is the same Greek word that's used for glory, back in verses 2 and 3. So let's go back there. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory, same word, of God. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory, same word, in tribulations also, knowing that the tribulation worketh patience. So the word joy, to boast, is the same word as used in verse 2 and 3, to glory. And we can not only glory or rejoice in tribulation and glory in hope of the future, but you and I, and uh, glory in the hope of sharing the glory of God. But above all, you and I can glory in God himself. You see, we're told in verses 2 and 3 that we glory in the hope that we have of the glory of God and that we glory in tribulation because of what God's done for us. But now in verse 11, we're told to joy glory in God. To glory in God himself. It means loving him. It means praising him. It means having God as our chiefest delight. You know, we can boast about the blessings that it has, but we can also boast or glory about God. You know, as the, the kids' song says, we have a great, big, wonderful God. And we can boast about that. We can glory about that. You know, the glory in God means to enjoy Him. As you and I meditate upon Him, it ought to bring a smile on our face. And we meditate upon our God, it ought to cause you and I to rejoice. As we meditate upon our God, it will cause you and I to boast about him. It's the idea found frequently in the Psalms. Psalm 33 verse 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Praise is comely for the upright. Psalm 33 3 says, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 34, 2 and 3, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You know, we need to ask ourselves, does that describe us? 
Is praising God our chiefest delight? Is praising God our chiefest delight? You see, that's what the psalmist said. That's what Paul and Silas did. That's what Paul tells us to do here in Romans chapter 5. We are to joy in God. The chiefest delight that we have daily is to rejoice, to boast about our God. In Psalm, uh, sorry, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 17, and Romans chapter 2 and verse 23, the Jews were boasting and bragging about the fact that they possessed God's holy law. Look back there. Romans 2.17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God. And in verse 23, thou that makest thy boast of the law, Thou breaking the law, dis, the, through breaking the law, dishonoreth thou God. So the Jews made their boast in the law. But Paul tells us here to make our boast in God. The Corinthian church, where they had all those troubles, they found themselves, they bragged about the Christian leader they followed. Remember 1 Corinthians 3? I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. And they boasted about which was the leader, which one it was that led them to Christ. I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Christ. And they had this debate going on amongst the church about who was best because of their leader. In the letter to the Second Corinthians, we find they bragged about the special gifts or attainments they had. Look at Second Corinthians, if you would. Chapter 11 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. They gloried after the flesh. About what they had, the achievements they had, about their gifts, about their, their abilities. In the letter of the Galatians, Paul refers to the men who bragged about the number of Gentiles they'd converted. Go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 13, please. Galatians 6, 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. So men have long boasted in the law, they boasted in uh, the, who, who led them to Christ, they boasted in the fact they have gifts, they boasted in how many they've led to Christ. But over against all of this, over against all of this boasting that mankind normally does, all this sinful leaping for joy and boasting, Paul informs us here in Romans chapter 5 that what we're to do, we're to joy in God. We are to boast in our God. Not boast about who we are. Not boast about what we've achieved. Not boast about how smart we are or how, how uh, rich we are or how uh, many we've led to Christ. We're not to boast about what we have done. But we are to boast in the Lord. We're to rejoice in what he has done. You know, God is the source and fountain of every blessing that we have and everything we enjoy. You know, many of our great hymns reflect that, too, in particular. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. What about the song, Count, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. You know, the old hymn writers understood the principle of joying in God. 
of rejoicing in God and boasting about God. You know, great is thy faithfulness about God. You know, uh, uh, so many other hymns that you and I could sing, holy, 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 all about our God, all about how we are to boast in Him. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, James reminds us that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Therefore, as the songwriter said, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. If God had not loved us while we were sinners, we'd have nothing to joy about. But he did. That's the whole point of Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, isn't it? For, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love in that while we had sinners, uh, toward us, and while we had sinners, Christ died for us. If that doesn't put a smile on our face, something is wrong. See, if God had not loved us while we were sinners, you and I would have nothing to rejoice about. We joy in God because he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. We joy in God because through his son we are saved. We joy in God because that salvation that we have is eternal. And tonight we can praise the Lord for our redemption. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse, uh, sorry, chapter 1 and verse 31, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17, the apostle says, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Not in our wisdom, not in our riches, not in our strength, but in the Lord. In his wisdom, in his righteousness, in his sanctification, in his redemption, we glory in the Lord. And so you and I have joy as believers. This is the seventh benefit of justification. As we consider all that God has done for us, we have joy in God. We glory in the Lord. Because he alone is worthy of praise. Thirdly, we're told, who made it possible to rejoice. We're told what we're to do is is have joy to rejoice. Secondly, we're told to who would have joy in, who would boast about, that's God. And thirdly, we're told who made it possible for us to have this joy, which was Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ that you and I have this joy. Not the law of Moses, nor any works of righteousness which we have done, nor because of the angels or because of other saints, but you and I have this joy in God because of Jesus Christ, in Christ and Christ alone. Because you see, it's only in Him and through Him that God is our God and He is our Father. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection, and then our faith in him, and the justification we receive by faith, 
that you and I have the privilege of calling God our Father. Have the privilege of calling God our God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I have this joy in God. By him and only him have we expectation of glory. It's in him only that his purposes are fulfilled. It's in him only the promises of God are fulfilled. It's by his hands and through his shed blood that all the blessings of grace are conveyed to you and I. We get to glory in God the Father because of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's through him. So we give thanks unto God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him. That's why when we pray, we pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. Because we acknowledge it's through him we have access to the Father. It's through him that we have redemption. It's through him that we have justification. It's through him that we've been reconciled. It's through him we've been forgiven. Through him that we've been saved. And through him we will be glorified. This passage closes as it began. Notice how it begins in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the apostle bookends this in verse 11 with through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why these 11 verses begin and end with this same phrase is because no man has any hope apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no approach to the Father without the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no salvation without the Lord Jesus Christ. If it were not for his willingness, for the willingness of the Son of God to submit to the will of the Father, to leave heaven's glory, make his way to Calvary's hill, and there willingly lay down his life for you and I, if it was not for the Son you and I would not have redemption. If it was not for the Son's willingness to yield to the will of the Father, you and I would not be justified. You and I would not be saved. And you and I would have nothing to rejoice in or to boast about. You know, he is truly a wonderful Savior. He's a special friend. He's a friend of sinners like you and me. And without Christ, we could not be saved. In these 11 verses, in the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 5, Christ is mentioned by name nine times. Nine times in 11 verses. Why? Because all that's true in these verses about our salvation are dependent upon Jesus Christ. Unless we know Christ, we can't know the Father. It's our knowledge of Christ, our relation to Christ that allows us to know the Father. For no man cometh to the Father but by Christ. And truly, we can say, can we not, hallelujah, what a saviour. Hallelujah, what a saviour. Paul informs us that through Christ we have obtained our redemption.
You see, what we have is joy. Who would have that joy in is God. We have that joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, we see what we've received. What we've received, which is the atonement. Verse 11. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement. Atonement here is literally reconciliation. It's the same word as used in verse 10. For if... When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the reconciliation. It's the same Greek word. In fact, it's interesting that here in verse 11 is the only time in the New Testament that the Greek word is translated atonement. Every other time it's translated reconciliation. The only time it's translated, atonement is here in Romans 5.11. And when you get to glory, you can ask the translators why they did that. Because uh, they didn't do it in any other place. Uh, the word atonement means at one It's making at one. It carries a similar idea to reconciliation. The only thing is that atonement is an Old Testament doctrine. And reconciliation is the New Testament doctrine. Atonement was made in the Old Testament. Okay, Our sins were atoned for with all those animal sacrifices. But you and I were reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a difference. But the word atonement does mean at one moment. And it does mean that to, to make at one, just like the word reconciliation. It says we have received that reconciliation. Notice what it says uh, in verse 11. It says, by whom we have now received the atonement. It's our present possession. The word received is not what we call an active word. It's not something that it, we do or something we partake in. It's a passive word. It means something that acts unto us. It's action upon us. We were made recipients of reconciliation. We did nothing to be reconciled. God did it all, and we became the recipients of that reconciliation. Once again, what we have is revealed to us the assurance of our salvation. You see, you and I did nothing to reconcile ourselves to God. Jesus Christ did it all to make it possible for us to be reconciled. The work of second reconciliation is all of God. Mankind and their believing have no part in reconciliation. Remember we said last week that uh, reconciliation was uh, the fact that God made us savable. And you and I here are said to be made recipients of that reconciliation. That is why we owe our present glory to God in Christ. Because Christ made it possible for God to reconcile us. Reconciliation means to make other than it is, to change or alter. It's the act of changing from, one, from a state of division to one of conciliation, from a state of enmity to a state of peace. Remember, reconciliation is God rendering all men savable. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary 
So God could say, I will now save all who will believe. Anyone can come. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved because I have reconciled all men to myself. All of you that were enemies, I now, uh, because of Christ's death on Calvary, I have made it possible for all of you to be my friends. You simply have to believe. You and I have received the reconciliation. We did nothing to get it. It was given to us because of Christ. Now atonement is an Old Testament term, as I said. But if you read the commentators who use, give us a definition of this word here in Romans 5, it's come to mean, this, this word has come to mean, come to be known in the New Testament as stand for the total benefits of Christ's death. And so the, the, the thought is the reason why the word atonement is used here rather than reconciliation is because it's, they wanted to sum up these 11 verses in a word that described the entirety of everything that Christ had done for us. Now whatever the reason was for using this word, the truth is this, what a change has taken place from chapter 3 to chapter 5. Back in chapter 3, you and I were sinners sitting in a courtroom. You and I in chapter 3 were sitting in a courtroom before a righteous judge and we'd been declared guilty sinners before a holy God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were standing before God the judge and were destined for hell and the lake of fire for all of eternity without hope. At the end of chapter 3, there was none righteous, none at one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. We've all gone out of our own way. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Death and eternal separation in the lake of fire from a holy God was what awaited us. We now get to chapter 5, and you and I have received reconciliation. We have been gloriously positioned for salvation, and through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been justified. What a change. What a change. And you know, I was thinking about this week, you know, that we've been through the doctrinal stuff here in Romans chapter 5, and it got pretty heavy in verses 10 and 9 and 10 last week, and gets pretty heavy again in verse 12 and following. You kind of kind of moves on because in verse 12 we're talking about as in one man sin in the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for all that have sinned and so it goes on and he goes back to his doctrinal thesis about the whole construct of salvation but as he brings this section to a close the apostle Paul comes with a crescendo and he says you need to know this we have joy in Jesus Christ in God through Jesus Christ why because we've received the reconciliation We have been reconciled. And that is a reason to rejoice. We've been brought into a state of peace and fellowship with God through the death and the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And because of Calvary, those of us who were once condemned without hope can now rejoice. We've been reconciled. With the close of Romans chapter 5 and verse 11, Paul has completed his message 
on the results of the benefits of justification. We have seen in these first 11 verses that we have a great God and a great Savior and a great salvation. Totally apart from the law, purely of grace, we have a salvation that takes care of the past, the present, and the future. Christ died for us. Christ lives for us. Christ is coming again for us. Hallelujah. What a Savior. You and I should burst forth for praise. No, no, not very charismatic. But you know, tonight in your homes, you ought to burst forth in praise. And we ought to sing, echo with the psalmist David. We ought to say, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Because we have a glorious God, a glorious Savior, and a wonderful salvation. We can and should boast in our God and the salvation is ours through Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that, Lord, we can have joy in God. Joy in what he has done for us. Joy in our Savior. The salvation is ours. We thank you that we have reconciliation. Lord, help us to daily, through all the troubles and trials that we face in life, help us, Father God, to boast in our God and to boast through the Lord Jesus Christ because we receive the reconciliation. Minister to us through your word this night, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.